Welcome to another episode of the VD Clinic. With you as always, and apparently sounding really chipper today. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> I'm your host, Vanessa, and with me as always is your, well, your other host, Darren. Say hello, Darren. Hello. Hello, Vanessa. Hello, everybody. Yeah, uh, I've. we don't always say when we're recording, but we haven't recorded in a morning in a while. So might be a little bit different energy than people are used to. Uh, but in in the uh, in the dome in the in the covid times when this is being recorded time is more relative anyway. It's all been like a giant blur to me basically the past what 6 7 months. <laughs> Yeah, eight. Yeah, for, for really after 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 March, it kind of I kind of stopped keeping track. Yeah, it yeah. It's, it's a little bit better that way. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I was trying to keep track, but then and I have calendars everywhere, but I just uh, yeah, it blinked and I feel like I like I blacked out and like, huh, what? <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess it's all it's been a bad November dream. Now. Well, it's not all been a bad dream. Um, anyway, Darren, how are you recovering from the election? That is probably the biggest question that's on everybody's minds. Uh, not that I'm not politically minded too, but uh, you get you sit there and more obsessively go over. Uh, the political media than I do. And I'm sure leading up to the election was yes. Nerve wracking. It, it was tense. <laughs> it, it was very tense. It was closer than it should have been. Uh, it, <laughs> although, you know, I, I think it showed that uh, if you make voting a little less fucking complicated, people will take part in it more. Absolutely. Uh, I, I I mean less complicated in the sense that I of course there there are you know health concerns and things but you you know what I mean. Well, I'll tell you I because I well I work the election again of course, but um, even though uh, I was not really thrilled about the location where they put me. It was in a very, um, one of the, what they're calling the red zone when the higher risk COVID spots in the city at the time, like when the higher rates, uh, um, of COVID because New York much lower than it was. And, um, so yeah, I was trying to get changed to a different location, but they assigned me so late that I couldn't do it. And, my obligation to civic duty kind of outweighed. Um, but even though I was like super like crazy precautions and stuff and, uh, 
you know, and I monitored my, I've been monitoring like my temperature and everything's like afterwards. And I got a COVID test, you know, negative and all that, just to the double check, you know, even though I didn't think I got anything, you know, you were at a higher, high exposure. I was situation. at a higher exposure rate. Exactly. And, um, and it was just for peace of mind and yeah, to be safe. But because my neighborhood, um, where I live and where I'm walking around and doing like all my daily, like essentials, even though I'm good about wearing a mask and washing my hands and hand sanitizer and I wear gloves on the subway, I still, you know, I just don't, out of respect for others, I don't want to spread it. <laughs> kind of like, I don't want people to spread it to me. Um, but so that was, that was like nerve wracking. So that was one thing, but you know, um, but the early voting, we had it again. Does Ohio have early voting? Yes. Uh, the Republicans have gradually I, chipped away at it, but, um, <laughs> cause I didn't remember if they had it. I don't think they had it when I lived there. Okay. They've had it. As long as I can really remember, well, more of what would be considered my adult life. You know, when when I was 18 to 30, I pretty much Mm -hmm. just went and voted on Election Day. I didn't I I did my research and everything, but it wasn't like it's become a thing where, you know, or like, you know, with with Amanda, Mm -hmm. uh, I I do most of the candidate research and I know yeah. the, 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 the stuff she looks for in people and the stuff I look for in people. And I just go on my it, week or so or however long it takes, depending on the election mm-hmm. dive, researching yeah. people and planning ahead and things like that. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, here, luckily in Columbus, I live, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how long it would take to get there on the bus, but 20 minute drive to the board of elections. Okay. Um, which is where you could vote early in person and uh, where they had the ballot drop boxes. And we had, we've got a guy, uh, attorney general mm-hmm. <laughs> that used to call himself a libertarian. And now he's just going as a Republican, but we had a lot of lawsuits because they wanted to expand the number of, ballot drop boxes right right i heard about that and he said that he totally supported it he just didn't know if he had the power and then court said yeah yeah you have the power he's like well i'm gonna appeal that i really support this idea but it's my job to appeal (laughs) yeah so i think he kept getting ruled that he had the power but he never did it yeah uh, early voting you know we we voted early absentee just because uh, Danzig has asthma. So it was like, oh, well, you know. Right. But yeah. Uh, well, f- fuck, I think, what was it? New York has, New York has early voting. And like, it's whatever, like 10 days before the elections and every poll site, all the early voting ones, as well as the ones on election day, had a big ballot box for the, absentee ballots mm-hmm. where people could just like, and people were being moved from like to the front of the line just so they could drop off their ballot and leave. So they didn't have to wait in line to just drop it off. Oh, right on. 
you know, and my mother, she just moved up here from Alabama. And like, one of the first things she did was change her voter registration. Although part of me is like, no, you should have still, you know, kept your vote down there. And <laughs> uh, what's, what fucking dumb seven Senator did Alabama elect? You, oh God, that stupid ex football player. She could have voted for Doug Jones and kept maybe not the one vote would necessarily help down there, but she was bitching and moaning about that race so much. She could, <laughs> She was like that stupid ex Alabama and their football. Yeah. Um, that's really what it comes down to. And yeah. that's the, um, plus see, he's a Republican. What he said about the three branches of the government. No, he's, <laughs> I can only, it's not, well, I mean, it's dangerous and stupidity, but he said the three branches of government are the house, the Senate and the executive. Oh, which I, I don't know. I feel like, you'd fail your citizenship test. <laughs> yeah, you would. Getting, getting that wrong. But... but do you know how many people, like the citizen, like how many people that were born here in the United States and that just go through your basic civics class or U.S. government class and half-ass it, they could never pass a citizenship test some of those questions on there are like what citizens like what people have to learn to go through um getting you know becoming a citizen like it's a lot to study and speaking of citizens we had different things like breakdown like the scanners breakdown at our polling site on election day mm-hmm. the one i worked and so we had to use the emergency ballot boxes like and so I heard that I had to hear like extra complaints and and all the stuff. And of course, because of where I was working, it was a very conservative area. And so I heard a lot of people saying, you're trying to prevent me from voting for Trump <laughs> um, because, you know, the, his media said this, that the people the in New York in New York State Board of Elections is going to try to do this. So I heard that a lot. Um, I was actually, they called the Board of Elections complaining and the media about it. I ended up having to do, yeah, it was on the news. Uh, Anyway, that's beside the point. Why I bring this up is I hear all that bitching and moaning. And some of it is stuff you hear on a normal basis, okay? And this wasn't the worst election I've ever worked. It wasn't raining. So that was like the best thing I could have, you know, that was like, but... I was at one point like outside securing a sign and there was someone walking out voting and it was this guy beaming from ear to ear. And if I had to guess, I would say he's of uh, Latinx uh, descent. And um, he was he was just so happy and he's like i voted in my first u.s election i'm like what and he's like yes i became i recently became a citizen and now i voted in my first u.s election he he's like i'm so happy like and and he was like and he was thanking me and and the other poll workers and everything but he was just so genuinely appreciative 
appreciative of the right to vote in this country. And it made me realize that so many people who have the right just take it for granted. But it made the day worth it for me. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But my mom did say that when we went to the early voting and everything, she said compared to Alabama, like, she's like, New York is like, <laughs> like years ahead <laughs> with their voting process. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I just double checked because I didn't want to give any mm -hmm. false information. Early voting in Ohio, like for yeah. this election, started on October 6th. Ooh, you had a lot longer than we did. We used to have longer, but um, John, I think it was the guy that's our lieutenant governor now, John Houston, mm -hmm. when he was uh, in charge of the elections, I'm pretty sure he stripped a week or two off. Mm. So it was oh, always irksome to see him go. It, it was really nice. They They did a lot of encouragement to... You know, get out and vote, vote safely, make a plan, register to vote. Here's the things while they were fighting against making it easier and stuff. Mm -hmm. But every time he they he talked about uh, early voting, I'm like, fuck you, man. You know what you did. Anyway, I'm, I'm bitter at our state government, if you can't tell. I understand. I know I uh, our state government has issues, too. But we get new districts uh, in two years, and we did pass a ballot measure where it has to get approval from, like, 45% of the minority party. And if they can't come to an agreement on it, the state Supreme Court will draw the districts and a, you know, quote-unquote liberal justice just got elected in this last election. So, the least amount of Republicans on the state Supreme Court since 1992. Wow. But tiny victories, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, and sometimes you have to take the tiny victories. I mean, truthfully. Um, speaking of which. Speaking of which. Tiny victories. Yep, tiny <laughs> victories happen all over the place for different people in the series the Boys, which we are talking about today. We're at least the first three episodes. Uh, by the end of it, we'll find out if uh, Vanessa has any interest in any more episodes or discussion of this. Um, <laughs> I... First three episodes of the first season. <laughs> yeah, so it's first three episodes of the first season. And, uh, you know, I saw the show... I I think I I think the first season came out all at once. Yes, it did. Uh, and I watched that in about a week, maybe two weeks at the most. And then um, I feel like season two came out episodically, and that just wrapped up as we are recording this. Uh, I had never read the comic before the show. The comic book. Uh, by Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. It first came out in 2006. Uh, and I think it ran for about five years. I'm not exactly sure. I am a eh, decent amount of comics into reading the series now. 
but Vanessa has not read it. And Vanessa doesn't really give much of a fuck about superhero movies. <laughs> so it was a gamble. Um, we're going to, uh, you're going to bring us, you're going to, you've got some notes, you've got some things to say. Uh, I, as I said, you, you didn't really know anything about it other than it was alternative super type stuff. Yeah. And I purposely, even after we decided to do this, I purposely didn't seek it out to find out more. I kind of wanted to try to keep a like clean slate there so as not to sway my opinion one way or another. Okay. I was I was trying to keep an open mind, okay? <laughs> but yes, you are correct. I, I am not, I, I normally, like, most comic like movies I'm not or you know or movies based on comics I'm not necessarily into um and superheroes particularly uh that said that's not there are some that I do enjoy uh so this <laughs> well you know I think it has some good things and it has some bad things. Okay. We're kind of going to go through these a little bit more episode by episode, but I'll tell you just to begin with the first episode did not completely grab me. And I would, if I had just turned this on, just turning it on, Without having to go further for a show <laughs> to watch it. I don't know if I would have watched any further than the first episode. Okay. That last few seconds kind of made me watch the second episode right away. I guess it was just... I, I think it's also something, though, you see with a lot of series that when their first episode can sometimes have things about them that are a little clunkier um, just because they haven't found their stride or they've just ordered as a pilot, like one off and then, Oh, then they have later bring in some other people or, you know what I mean? There are various reasons why a first episode of a series may not be as strong as others because truthfully, there are other series that I have watched where Mm, the first episode wasn't the best in the world. Like, okay, for instance, the Netflix series Grace and Frankie with uh, Lily Tomlin and uh, Jane Fonda and Martin Sheen and Sam Waterston. That first episode, I and these are all people I like, okay? That first episode of it was kind of okay, it was, it was, it had some good things, it had some bad things, but I kept watching it because I was like, well, I like these people, and there was enough, at least, of the premise that I was like, let me try another episode or two, plus they were only half hour long, you know what I mean, so I didn't feel like, oh, I'm wasting as much time, um, so I was like, let me see another episode or two to see if I'm going to continue this. And then 
once the second episode was there, it was like, okay, there was a little more that I, I thought was a little bit better. And so then I just kept watching and I, you know, and I like it. <laughs> it just, it was like that first episode wasn't, it was just wasn't as, I guess, polished as I thought it could have been. And maybe that's what it was here. So that's part of why, I mean, like, I probably truthfully would have still given this show a chance, like at least a second episode, but I wasn't super drawn in to the characters just seeing episode one because I watched episode one on Saturday night and my plan had been episode one that night, then episode two the next night, and then episode three last night. But then, like, even, like, so the next night came around, and I was like, I don't know if I feel like watching episode two. <laughs> like, I was just, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I'm in the mood for that. Like, it really, I had to push myself to watch it. But like I said, I feel like it did improve a little bit with episodes two and three. Okay. We'll get to those more later, but I would just wanted to say that as an overall thing to begin with. Hey, you know, I, I do. I was taking a chance. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying I, I didn't hate it, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't love it either. And, and that's your, your take on episode one and you're going to give the first, the, the others as they go or are you yeah 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 I, I mean but like out of the three i think episode one is the weakest truthfully uh but anyway uh and we can get more we'll get more into the others later but no i just wanted to let you know that i it's not like this was painful for me to go through but there were a couple times in episode one where it was like Okay, I'm looking a little bit at my my how much longer do I have left? Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, and you might have this in your notes to bring up, but have you worked yeah. with an Ashley? That's the the lady that is like head of marketing or corporate talent. I forget what she she says, but the one that meets Starlight oh, is like, oh, you were doing great. It's like, well, I oh, that one. Oh God, her name wasn't Ashley, but I yeah. I, but I, that type. That was one of the things I was like, oh, I bet, you know, there, there's all this marketing talk and, you know, talking about how this other stuff. And I was like, I bet. Well, so, okay. So let me point out one thing to begin with. So we get into the, the episode and then, and for all intents and purposes, I'm just going to call him Wonder Woman the Superman. Um, <laughs> Queen Dave and Homelander. Queen That's and okay. Homelander. It was just, it was easier for me at a certain point because I knew what they were doing. It's obvious what they're doing, that this is a take on the Justice League. We oh, get yeah. that. Yeah, totally. And it, and it was uh, initially a response to the W. Bush administration. And, and and I can see certain things like that. And I was going to ask if you when the comment was, but I could see certain things that were responses, cultural responses, you know, to sociopolitical. Things. Yeah, they they deal with 9-11 in the comic book. I'm almost there. 
Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So all intensive purposes, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm going to say Wonder Woman and Superman. Um, because I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. It, anyway. Um, so they, the two of them have their little, um, you know, crime fighting thing and, and save the, you know, the person or whatever. Well, the people and they all, and so then you see the crowd getting selfies with the superheroes. This was like very early in the episode and out of all of those things where they're showing, okay, it was the two of them that helped, you know, save these guys or whatever, stop the, the bad guys. But yet, out of all of those little things where they're showing people getting selfies with the superheroes, they only showed one person getting a picture with the female superhero. It was something very subtle, but it, to me, I wrote it down and I was like, that speaks volumes to me, the sexism that's going to come. Mm-hmm. I, it, it was just a small little thing. And looking back at it, after you find out more about what happens to Starlight, do you know what I mean? Yes. And and then what you see further with the Queen Maeve character and how she's treated by Homelander, too. It, you know, it fits in line, but it was a little subtle thing. But I just, I wrote that down. That was like my first note that I made. And I'm like, okay, this already tells me where I was going to go with this. And I was just like, okay, how, how is this going to play out? And I was expecting there to be a certain level of sexism in this already. Cause I think I'm, too often than not there, there is with these superhero movies. <laughs> yeah. Or, or tight things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it makes sense that they would satirize that too. Right. But I mean, you're right. The 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 incorporation and branding of these superheroes is ridiculous, and the PR machine is just cringeworthy. And yes, I do pay my rent by working in the advertising industry. I'm only paying the actors and musicians. I'm not, you know, creating the ads, but. I have a love-hate relationship with my job. But yes, there are certain people that I see in the industry that start going down this path where they are so just, you know, they're so laser focused on how can we market this and how can we get the most amount of money. That's why when you said, have you worked with an Ashley? I was like, oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen the type totally. Just and, she was called Ashley. <laughs> and I think it's interesting going back over these first few episodes when I've finished watching season two and see where all these characters are now. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of drastic changes, to say the least. And some might not seem so drastic, but uh, yeah, thinking about some of these people. But um, so... Uh, also, not to give anything away, because I feel like not a lot, a, a decent amount of people have seen the show, but fewer people have read the comic. So I'm trying not to. 
give too much away, but, uh, well, go ahead in the, well, I guess we haven't even gotten to Huey yet, but, uh, most of the, most of the first two seasons I'm maybe because the show came out in 2019. That's when I started checking out the comics. I'm on maybe number 16 or 17 of the comics. And there are, I mean, there are a lot of references, a lot of characters here and there, you know, and and things like that, and a lot little switches. Mm-hmm. But most of the show so far is not story from any of the comic that I've read so far. There are a couple yeah. key things. There's Huey. There's Robin. There's uh, the boys. Are you? Uh, you ha- by the end of the third episode, you haven't even met everybody that's on the team yet. Um, but the comic just kind of starts out there. They all kind of exist. But Huey's uh, Scottish in the in the comic. And, right. I uh, had read that. Uh, visually based on Simon Pegg. Yeah, because after I um, finished watching episode three last night, then I finally went on IMDb. And can I just say, since we're talking about Huey. Yeah. I had been looking at him the entire time, the actor, and I'm like, what do I know him from? What <laughs> do I know him from? Well, I've realized, okay, sure, he'd been in a couple Hunger Game movies and a couple other things, but he's Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. No wonder he looks so familiar, because then I looked at him again, and I'm like, oh, my God, he totally has her eyes and he has like the chin and kind of forehead of Dennis Quaid. And it's like, that makes so much sense because it's like, he looks familiar enough because you know, they're familiar, they're more familiar, but he still looks just like that guy, like down the street. You know what I mean? A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't look quite as glamorous as either (laughs) one of them. Yeah, he, he's, I mean, he he looks like their son. He looks like a, a Colin he Hanks, totally, you know? He <laughs> totally looks like their son when you're like, oh my God, yeah. But it was like bugging me. I'm like, where do I know him from? Where do I know him from? And then I was just like, huh. <laughs> it wasn't from the movies that, I mean, like, like I said, I'd seen the Hunger Games movies that he'd been in and something else. But I'm like, that that's not where I recognized him from. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what Robin? I didn't recognize Robin from anything. She's Jess Saliguero. Saliguero. I'm gonna say. That's how you pronounce that name. S a l i g u e i r o. Saliguero. Guiro. Anyway, a lot of the people in this are you know you maybe have seen here and there. Uh, okay. Homel- Homelander was on an episode or two of Xena. Okay, can I just say something real quick? Yeah. This is the first person that, I mean, aside from Elizabeth Shue in this, that I, you know. But, so, even though she's not the best actress, still, I always loved, you know, Adventures in Babysitting. And that's just one of those things from my childhood that just always makes me smile. You know, always makes me smile. So, you know, it smiles when she, I, I, I smile when she's on screen, even when she's playing and an asshole like this in here. Madeline Stillwell. Who's a man so, in the comic. Yeah, well, I'll get to that. Okay. Something, Because something I thought about later. So anyway, 
um, the whole casting couch of Aquaman <laughs> slash the deep in here, like that whole situation or whatever. And I was like looking, I was like, oh my God, it's Chase Crawford from Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Because Chase, I, no. I think it's 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 hysterical. Now I have to explain. Like I normally do not like those kind of shows, but when Gossip Girl first came out, I was living in an apartment and I didn't have any. I didn't have cable, and I barely had any regular like digital antenna access. Like, so I wasn't really getting very many channels. And one of the few that I could get was the CW. And so, or whatever it was on, I think it was CW. And Gossip Girl started coming on. And and so I would watch that. And it was so, it's just trashy fun. And I would sit there and laugh at it hysterically. The only thing that I really did like about it um, was some of the, the clothes and stuff um, because they're, you know, Upper East Side, whatever, rich kids that have money on to spend on clothes. But anyway, you know, Blake Lively was on that and Kristen Bell did the voiceover. But yeah, I was just like, <laughs> it's such a departure from that show. <laughs> but a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit. Uh, and that that is one of the scenes that's a little different in the comic. Um, yeah, this isn't really a. I'm not going to talk about that part, but a little bit of a spoiler, non spoiler uh, difference is instead of a high rise uh, uh, mm-hmm. building in New York, yeah. it's like a flying fortress above the city. Yeah, like a, I don't know, like a flying aircraft carrier type thing. The comic book is more profane than the show, and I think they did a lot of stuff with the show. Yeah, that you could couldn't really do on uh, AMC or something like that. Yeah, no, I I mean I I know I I have read that they toned some of it down, but even with it being, yeah, I mean Amazon is you can still do more than AMC. You're right. If it had been AMC, it would have been totally different. The the Deep, similarly in the comic book, is he's not as much of a douche. In, he wasn't even there. He wasn't who showed Starlight around. But he, he was the joke. He, he was the joke of the team, you know? Well, of course. I mean, that's what you always have to have. with If you're going to do someone who's, like, essentially corresponding to Aquaman... Like, because I've seen other sketch shows where I've seen sketch shows like comedy shows where they've done thing like skits and they're making fun of like the Justice League and all of them are making fun of Aquaman. Like what? You just talked to fish. So there's a lot of snide remarks throughout. As, as, I mean, you've seen quite a few just in these three episodes, but that that doesn't really lessen, uh, although I don't know. Really try not to get, I'm trying to separate myself because I'm at one point in the comics, which Mm -hmm. isn't even really parallel to the show. And I'm at the end of season two and we're talking about the beginning of season one. 
so I love I love it when Huey meets Billy. He says something, and, and, and Billy says that he's a Fed or whatever. Huey's like, you look more like the porn version of the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate that. This is like a scene in the Matrix. Now, you could take the fucking red pill, right? Spend the rest of your life jacking off, crying into your chai tea, green latte, what the fuck. Or you could take the blue pill. Was it the red pill anyway? Take the other pill and equipping a cunt. Which pill do you want me to take? Just equipping a cunt, that's what I'm saying. Um, that was one thing I appreciated in this episode. And I really did appreciate the casting of Simon Pegg in this. He's got a good American accent. He does. And that's the first time I think I've heard it. What about the soundtrack? I knew you were going to mention the soundtrack. Um, I, I approve of the soundtrack. Um, I'm wondering if they rated my, uh, music collection. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The Clash, Iggy Pop. Yeah, Jane's Addiction. Um. Uh, Runaways. The Runaway, well, the Runaway song, but not their version. Oh, right. Um, but yeah. Nee, nee, nee. It was on, you know, one of my fir first punk compilations I bought so I could figure mm -hmm. out what other bands were. What about, uh, I mean, you are a New Yorker. How do, how does how do they represent the city? Well, and you know, that's something I actually always look at when um, when you have things that are filmed or and or set in New York. Um, and I think it's actually a fair job the way it's done because I'm sure, I don't know how much of it is shot here. I mean, they may have just done some shooting here and do everything else, you know, in a contained studio or something. But um, it it seems like they, they've done a good job so far with it. Um, and I know that they have to do the digital things where they seamlessly insert, you know, into the, you know, skyline or big landscape shops the big whatever monstrosity of the superheroes 82 floor building or whatever it is i think it was the the typical uh toronto for new york shooting or vancouver one of those two or something maybe um i'll have to check but since we're still talking about the the first episode the um the the exclusive contracts with the superheroes so that they're gonna quote unquote protect a city and so you're like outsource trying to like outsource all this stuff. Uh yeah, it makes sense that a lot of this was written uh during like the Bush administration. There are a lot more uh references in the in the comic to i i think they bring up you know somebody used to work for halliburton well and even later on what is it episode two or three where they talk about where she's trying to they're trying to well we i was going to get to that in then but it's yeah halliburton and is already um 
and Lockheed, I think, are already referenced in those. Oh, right. When they've got the, the senators mingling. Yeah. So, yeah, it is something that, you know, they're going to the police to try to farm out their services there. But, of course, with complete with a merchandising percentage, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, for the mayor of Baltimore. I think you see it pretty early on in episode one. And it's throughout the the episodes you've seen and throughout the series. There's a lot of exposition through people watching TV. You right. People it, talking in the background when Huey's at work uh, about the debate over letting superheroes get military contracts and the, the, the senators are involved and there's voting and there's that stuff. And I don't remember when you first see it, but it becomes clear that Vought also owns a news network or two, uh, sort of like Fox or something like that. I think you see some of that in episode one. Okay. I think it's called Vought News Network or something like that. But they play around with that later on. You know, there's... Uh, uh, I, 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 no, I don't think it's happened yet. But there will be a time where uh, somebody from Vought is saying something and the Chiron below is saying what they said, but before they say it. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. Um, I think without spoiling much anything else we kind of hit the end of episode one. Oh, one thing one more thing I do want to say about episode one I did like the fight with the invisible man I thought that was pretty well done translucent doesn't mean invisible <laughs> yeah but yeah that, that was a good fight I liked that I liked it better than hollow man it was a lot better than even, like, this year's Invisible Man. I still I haven't think. checked that out. Is that worth checking out? You know, I think it is. I saw it in the theater. That might have been the last thing I saw in the theater before the pandemic. Um, but, you know, not, like, the best movie in the world. But it wasn't bad. Uh, I like Elizabeth Moss, though, too. So, which helps, but it's much better than Hollow Man. I will say that for sure. You, um, but it's you know it's got a, a little different take on some of it, and it kind of does some interesting things. And there are some neat effects, but uh, but I kind of like the way that they had this fight play out because yeah, was... it didn't look as over done with digital effects you know yeah uh, they, they they kept it simple they kept it simple logical. enough <laughs> that it was logical and effective and that's all you need in my opinion you don't need to get super fancy with it we should probably take a quick break and do the other two in one or, um, or yes at least take a quick break and then do the other two yes Okay, cool. Uh, we will be right back. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. 
Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. And we are back with the rest of the episode, unless we end up taking another break. That last one was planned. The next one will be improv, if it happens. Episode two of The Boys, Cherry, or was it called Cherry Bomb? I think it was just called Cherry. I think it was just called Cherry. Okay. The, the Cherry, maybe? Maybe. I, I just have written down Cherry, and I my other episode titles are correct. Not to say that if I'm right two out of three times, that doesn't mean that third one is definitely right. But anyway, <laughs> it ends with the song Cherry Bomb. Cherry Bomb. <laughs> Not the Runaways version. Yeah, you're right. It's just Cherry. It picks up where episode one left off in the electronics store where the good invisible person fight happened. Okay, so you said episode one didn't really grab you. How are you feeling about episode two? Where, where episode two gets, uh, yeah. It definitely picks up. Um, it definitely picked up for me. I will say that. Um the writing improved a little bit. <laughs> um, I noticed that for one thing, um, because there were points I felt in the first episode where the writing didn't seem consistent. And so the acting ended up being a little bit awkward and, but you could kind of, but, and it took me a minute where I was like, is it the act? Or is it the dialogue? And I'm like, no, it's the dialogue. It was just a couple places where it was like... Bleh. Interestingly enough, same writer, different directors between the two episodes. Well, maybe. And maybe that, you know, there was that too. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but again, like I said, maybe it was just, you know, sometimes even if you have all the same creators and everything from episode to episode, that first episode of a series you know, they're not necessarily uh, in a groove yet. Yeah. So that could be part of it. Well, uh, the director of the first episode was Dan Trachtenberg, who mm -hmm. uh, directed 10 Cloverfield Lane. I was going to say, why does that name sound familiar? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and Matt Shackman, or Shakeman, 
directed mm-hmm. episode two, and they are more well known for TV episodes. The at least one or two episodes of Game of Thrones, uh, Fargo, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But Eric Kripke, the show creator, wrote the first two episodes. Uh, there's a different director and different writer on episode three. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so yeah, uh, the dialogue's a little bit better. The characters are interacting with each other a little bit more. Uh, what did you think of Frenchie? Okay, I, I, I really like the Frenchie character. <laughs> there were just... <laughs> There were a few things where it was just like the entire and the demeanor, just like, yeah, and like <laughs> just the level of cool was, you know, where he's just like everything, like just kind of most of the for the most part, he brushes things off his shoulder and like this kind of odd little, you know, of course, existential whatever way. Yeah, my dad was a was a bipolar. He tried to smoke <laughs> me with a duvet. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just all of a sudden comes out with these lines and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Did I hear that right? Okay. And he's just like, this is just like anybody's normal life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciated, like, there were, there were certain things like that, though. Like I'm saying, it wasn't just him. But I liked how the actor played it. But there were things in the dialogue that were being interjected more in this episode and in episode three, I noticed. What did, what did you start picking up on? There were just certain lines that were interjected in there to maybe it's the, the, the humor, the dark humor wasn't as awkward in episodes two and three as it was in episode one. Okay. It was a bit more smooth. It came over a little yeah, bit. Maybe, yeah, Better. maybe that's what it was. And some of just and and you had and some of the like one liners that just kind of were put in there. Um, you know, but like like the first okay <laughs> I love in ep- I, I will say I appreciated in episode two that we have uh what's his name? Translucent Invisible Man. What's it? Whatever his name is. Yeah, translucent. Yeah, translucent. He has disappeared, and he's supposed to make this PR appearance for one of these Make-A-Wish type organizations at a hospital. And my mother, the clown, the dancing fool, um, she uh, volunteers with Make-A-Wish, not necessarily as the dancing fool, but just as herself. And she's been doing this for a while and everything. And so I heard plenty of stories about these um, celebrities. And, and I've heard a lot about which ones are really good and which ones are less than generous with their time. And it just so this just kind of made me laugh. <laughs> Where the... All of a sudden, the A-Train guy who comes in there, you know, who we saw did a very bad thing in the last episode and has been shown to be not such a good guy. Anyway, he's there and all this stuff and the awkwardness with this cancer patient who's like on the verge of death and everything. This child cancer patient. He's like, I just, my one wish was, (laughs) you know, but 
and then the after effect of Elizabeth Shue saying a train has to be scripted. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't you? It's like, of course, it was just like, because after you had heard that entire conversation, my entire thought was, was you know, I'm laughing and I'm like, yeah, no shit. He needed to be scripted. Did you hear that? I mean, like. <laughs> this, this time around, I noticed during that, you know, they yeah. had the social media live stream reacts down in oh. the bottom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as he fucked up more and more, they became like sad and angry faces. Well, and that's one thing I will give this credit. I, I will give this credit with that. It, it really brings in so many aspects of media to how, because in so many superhero movies, we see these fictional worlds, and even sometimes when they're supposed to be the United States now, the technology doesn't seem to be like <laughs> in sync with a current time period. It yeah. seems to be somehow removed. Like the media only exists in this old timey 1940s kind of Jimmy Olsen way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know uh, I mean? have you ever seen? God. I'm sorry, it's a little bit of a ta tangent again, but have you seen that old John Travolta movie, The Experts? No. It's from the early 80s, and the premise is John Travolta and his friend, a very fine character actor, but the downfall is I cannot tell you his name right now, but I can see his face. Okay. They are cool New Yorkers that want to open a nightclub. And they get duped by the Russians uh -huh. in, into uh, they, they have like a practice America town in Russia. Uh -huh. But they're so far behind. Everything's like the 50s or the 60s. So it's cool American guys thinking that they got put in some weird time warp, like really bad because it was it was come open our nightclub in Kansas. When uh, is this from? The early, experts. Okay. Early eighties, yeah. The experts. Eighty nine. Oh, I guess late eighties. Sorry, I'm having to look it up on IMDb. This is gonna no, remind me. It's got Kelly Preston in it, in case you were wondering. Yeah, there there are quite a few people. I haven't seen it in so long. Brian Doyle Murray is in it. Yes. I I like me some Brian Doyle Murray. Airy Gross. Yes, yes. Uh, Sorry to no, interrupt. Go ahead. That that's fine. But it just when you were talking about the the backward sort of what time are we in technology? And this doesn't this this completely utilizes that and and as it is, I mean the comic. It makes sense because the comic itself, from what you were saying does attack or satirize the media and the use of media. Yes. With these. So why wouldn't you also have social media if you're making a series in, you know, beginning in 1990, I mean, in 2019. Yeah. Uh, I don't I mean, know where it is anymore <laughs> when they started the series, but do you know what I mean? Like it makes sense. 
And I think it's pretty. It's cool how that how they embrace that, and that will be a thing that maintains uh, throughout the series, at least so far. Is mm-hmm. not not forgetting the world that they're setting up in these episodes. Right. They they really seem like they're trying to build a bigger world, and it's not as insular. As just Gotham City, yeah, Metropolis. You know I mean? As Long much as, and and don't get me wrong, I I do love me some Batman, um, but yeah, it it, it just I I I think I, I I find that interesting, and I think that they have a lot of room to play with. How to craft your image? How to protect it? And different things people do in. Of course, there's the inner workings of the military-industrial complex going on. Well, that's true. I mean, it's this is the episode. Well, we saw it in the last one, the first one, where the the um, corporation is trying to bring the group of superheroes to in to protect. You know, in that case, it was Baltimore whatever, and work in lieu of, like, police there. And trying to infiltrate that part of the criminal justice system or whatever. And here we see, we start to see where they want to infiltrate the military. So it's a different aspect. Uh, And then we start seeing the senators and that level of money uh, why have ordinary when you can have extraordinary and everything mm-hmm. branding you've seen black noir now i love him I, or them i i don't know i don't want to misgender them at the the mixer with the senators and other the superheroes and politicians get trying getting the the was it champagne and trying to get a server's attention yeah. <laughs> so they can get an hors d'oeuvre i love it and just can't get their attention <laughs> it's the funniest thing it's kind of the saddest thing at the same time you're just like oh my god <laughs> but it's like this little side bit that if almost if you blink you'll miss it <laughs> I will say I did appreciate that little moment thrown in there. It was just like stupid little comedic bit, but it kind of broke up this whole dark situation that's being built. Yeah, I, I like I like how they don't really go in a straight line in the mood that they have. Pretty good at breaking the tension sometimes. We've got some more superheroes show up. You know, we've got Doppelganger. Which, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting thing to help uh, using Doppelganger to, in the blackmailing process. Seems like it wasn't of the, the politician. first time. No. Of, oh, obviously not. You know, and the episode one already established that black male is part of this world uh, where you had that, the 
what was it, the mayor of Baltimore. This you know. Exactly. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, exactly. The big mystery. But it, so one thing I had to say about an episode two. So they go to with Invincible or whatever, Invisible Man. Um, the restaurant they they go to is a Tony Cicero's. I know that's supposed to be a chain that's in part of the United States, but isn't there some mob movie <laughs> with a mobster named Tony Cicero? Or am I making that up? Uh, probably, but I, I was just thinking Tony Soprano. It sounds like something so, yeah, or maybe it's just, I don't know. It seems like something that people would capture on a name from a movie. And, I mean, I know there's an actor from The Sopranos who has a similar spelling last name, but it's pronounced the same. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of, but Maybe, uh, Tony Sirico or whatever. It's it's pronounced, but I think it's pronounced Sister Uh He played uh, Polly Polly Walnuts in The Sopranos. Yeah, I think it's pronounced the I, same. Yeah, I, I'm not very good at. Uh, anyway, I'm talent. sorry, but that's I'm sorry, but I thought about that. I'm like. Because I'm trying to look and figure out their world building is there. I mean, how are they laying this out? And are they trying to make references to anything here and there? I'm trying to, I'm just was trying to dig anywhere at this point. And maybe I was just being full of shit and, you know, tired when I was looking. <laughs> I was delirious. That was entirely possible. Yeah, it but, is. I mean, uh, it, it hasn't really shown back up so far in the series but i i feel like it was a purposeful choice for one yeah. reason or another well at the very least it does show that it's well they were supposed to be in jersey jersey city, city. and that's where the sopranos family was. maybe it was a nod to something with the sopranos could have been i don't know i didn't watch the sopranos I mean, I've seen a couple episodes, but I never watched the entire series. Speaking of Italian food, uh, Huey and his dad have a little argument about pizza rolls, but not really about pizza rolls. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I think that's episode three. Episode I think two it's the beginning is, of episode is kind of like It's the beginning that. of episode three. But. Okay. Oh, and and um, speaking of Italian-Americans, episode two. Yay, Jennifer Esposito! That we covered from, and who was in Summer of Sam. Right. He plays Billy's ex, who's in the CIA. I was trying to think of the character's first name, but I just keep thinking of uh, Deputy Director Archer. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a different relationship in the comic book, but she yeah. is still in charge. Uh, or, you know, she is still his contact at the cia and stuff um uh, uh, that is that is possibly a thing that got toned down a little bit for the show the exposition in her kitchen a little bit more uh and then it all sort of comes to a head uh with watching nature shows and figuring out uh, different animals weaknesses 
Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of feel like that episode was a decent amount about uh, Huey, his old life and his new life, and uh, the struggle of well, trying to figure Starlight. out where he fits. Yeah. Dealing with yeah. some PTSD. And then Starlight. Yeah. Confronting her abuser. And what? what you... And stopping someone else's abuse. Yeah. Uh, what happened? Well, aren't I innocent until proven guilty? Yeah. It's like, when you're in the big leagues, you flip it. But yeah. Uh, what? Statistically? Oh, no. That's <laughs> actually episode three. Is that three? Because oh. I made my note there. Oh, Okay. Which we can go on to episode three if you want. Yeah, sure. Unless you've got more to say about that. No, no, that's fine. Okay. No, but it's, it's, um, yeah, because so Starlight is sent on an outing, her first outing, but it's with the deep or whatever, her abuser, um, douchebag. And, um, and so, so anyway, it's all scripted and everything, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, PR and all of that. And then later that evening, she's out in her normal clothes, being her, her normal identity. Yeah, Annie self. And uh, she stops an assault in progress and it gets it goes viral and all this stuff and damage control because it's unscripted and everything and all of these things that transpire and my note was after the fact because they Ashley <laughs> Ashley comes in to her like all hot and bothered and here starlight thinks she's getting fired i know this is spoiling something but it's leading to my point of they want her to change her costume and they all these different things and they like that she's standing they she stood up for someone in an assault type thing but they're trying to do their pr spin and whatever but they wanted to change a costume and i'm like there is no need for her to look like Barbarella. <laughs> that was my note. That because the costume that they put her in, it's feminist. And, she, it, and she's like, "How was that?" Yeah, she reluctantly does it, but you know, she's still like trying to figure out her place too. It, yeah, it's just like we see Huey making, trying to deal with his transition and PTSD, and now here she's dealing with her transition um, and her own PTSD in a way because she this extension of how they're trying to like sexualize her superhero persona is further I I think feeding into that PTSD because it's the corporate machine that the deep is part of that allows the casting couch behavior they know it goes on they look the other way and the i forget what group oh i know she mentions it but but i think you've probably seen that there are tertiary 
superhero groups that are sort of not the Justice League, just as there are in other comics. Uh, she was in something called, I think, Capes for Christ. <laughs> Which there there's an episode a little bit later on where there's a superhero Christian festival. Oh my god! Of course. Um, uh, and uh, like we've seen, we saw earlier in I think episode one where they go to the superhero speakeasy and there's the anti-gay Christian superhero sort of uh, stretching himself to make out mm-hmm. with two dudes. Yeah, and stuff like that. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, fun commentary about the hypocrisy of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I, I can't remember. That's somewhere in season one. But yeah, Annie being told by two dudes that this is the, this is your femininity. This is your, your feminist story arc. Uh, yeah, I like how she's, and she's got the little girl and she's getting, harassed by fans in front of the little girl and they're asking yeah and they're like asking like her to lean down like and sh- show her cleavage and you know, all this stuff there's pop claw and a train also i guess but that uh is in this a little bit more yes but sorry getting hit as you were but before we get before we get there so here after this whole thing where they're trying to say, oh, this is feminist and all this stuff. You know, part of... It's not that I hadn't noticed before that it was interesting that they had, like, the Elizabeth Shue character. Um, what's her name? Madeline? Yeah. That that character in that position is a female. What I found what hit me in this episode and I I guess I noticed a little bit before but it really this episode we really see it the fact that they make her a working mother and I mean they refer to it earlier but she is like actively nursing and like like pumping in this episode like breast milk and stuff um and you see her actively in the office with the baby. Like, that's a very interesting choice. I, I don't know. I don't know. You wouldn't have seen that in some other things. But here, after you hear all this stuff, and they've, like, highly sexualized, you know, and sh- this superhero, and, you know, they've... And here, the same person that's... Being, you know, being allowed to be in this feminist position of the working mother and in this position of power and everything. Here she's enforcing this sexual oppression or this oppression of, you know, in sexual harassment. She's endorsing that uh, of another woman, you know. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. And then when you see, I think it's this episode where you see the Queen Maeve character putting up with some of that from Homelander. It's, yeah, you realize it's definitely more systematic and it's more 
intrusive and I think it's more offensive that you have the Madeline as a female in power and she's doing nothing about it. They've started referencing Mr. Edgar uh, as the mysterious voice from above sending down instructions here and there to different people about different things too. So it also reminds us that she is really high up, but there's a man over her. Right. She's still not in charge of things, but she has enough power that she could do, you know, make a difference. Yeah. But she is a, she's got that, uh, that business acumen the shared with serial killers of thinking about people in a different way. Well, and if you do, when you do hear her at certain points, she sounds like a complete fucking sociopath. <laughs> not that I, you know, I, not that I have a degree in psychology or psychiatry. Um, I can't formally diagnose that, but that is my call as a rank amateur. <laughs> the character is sort of putting it, said it, positioning itself in that way. Right. Uh, uh, sort of sideways. Speaking of breastfeeding, what do you think of the mother's milk character? Okay, before we get to, before we get to him. Okay. All I can say is Homelander and his lactation fetish. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, using all his Is superpowers. Yeah, it's. Oh, you're leaking. I mean, like. <laughs> that also doesn't it's... necessarily go away. Yeah. Um. Anyway. If it were a consensual thing with the two of them or something, I don't know. But it's just creepy, and he's using the X-ray vision. It's non-consensual. All I'm saying. Anyway, yes, we'll go on to Mother's Milk now. Um, he, you gotta love where he goes after Frenchie and all of that. He gets the phone call and it's his significant other. And he's like all of a sudden talking like a big softie and all sweet <laughs> and loving. <laughs> and then everybody makes fun of it because it's kind of something I would say most people can relate to like even like hardened criminals still have someone who gets most of them right have someone who gets to them emotionally and then it, and we all have that and we all turn into like especially if it's someone we're in love with you know we all become stupid puppy dogs sometimes it just happens and it's funny you know because here they're like all acting all badass and like yeah knives were out right exactly you know he didn't know what was gonna happen (laughs) i really like uh i forget alonzo something is the actor that plays mother's milk laz alonzo laz alonzo I think they all do a good job sort of mimicking the characters they're supposed to be. Butcher uh, is talked about, is referenced by somebody as sounding a bit a bit much like Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. 
and stuff like that. And uh, there's a scene where Frenchie is in one of the past episodes where Frenchie is working on stuff and he's got those goggles. Those yeah. are kind of one of his signature things in the comic is he's always got those goggles like on top of his head or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But uh, you could tell that they paid attention to the comics, but yeah, there's a lot of play with characters and gender switches of characters mm-hmm. and, you know, some consolidations and stuff, but um, it, it's its own thing. You know, I'm still surprised at stuff that's happening in the comics because, I mean, yeah, it does start out with Huey and Robin and A-Train and, uh, you know, Butcher coming and talking to Huey and stuff, but largely, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how... If there's going to be stuff from, much more stuff from the, the comic that comes through. But anyway, where were we? Yeah, so we've got people establishing who the hierarchies, I guess, are coming showing out a little bit more in this episode. You were seeing who's in charge where and the different levels of relationship. And, you know, there's A-Train and Popclaw. She was in, I think they said she was in Teenage Kicks or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of like the uh, Steven Seagal level, yeah, of, of fame, <laughs> Teen Titans, more references, and we see some of the effects of Compound V in this episode. Uh, there's the, the race between A-Train and Shockwave. A little bit more exposition about something fucked up happened in the past, and... Mallory's grandkids get brought up again. And when Butcher is at the CIA lady's house, he's talking about the Mallory files. Susan is her name. Susan. I looked it up. Susan Archer. What else what else do you have to say about this? Say so relatively unspoilerish, I think we've Yeah. About most of that. Sorry, that's Zora drinking my water. <laughs> Nothing is sacred. Do they do the hand, the stick the hand in, or is it just straight tongue? No, just sticks the tongue right in. Tangirl does both, but she loves putting her hand in uh, coffee foam if we mm-hmm. make a latte, or if there's any. She's such a cat cat. Anything yeah. that has milk or cream in it, she just. Yeah. Ooh, that's mine. Here, I'm just going to put my foot in there. Zora does that with, like, when I have, like, cereal. Or if I'm, like, get milk and cookies. Like, the milk is not safe. Yeah. (laughs) No cats so far in this series? It definitely has improved, like I said, since the first episode, in my opinion. By the time you get to the third it's the writing is a little bit more consistent and it, it it just feels like there's a better flow of things getting the stride yeah and i mean and it's laid a little it's laid enough of the groundwork of the world that it's going to build on that you can see that it's not it hasn't you know limited itself but it's still already clearly defined itself as kind of, it's kind of like, okay, this is kind of where we are. 
You could recommend this to somebody, but uh, would you recommend the series with caveats? Or do you not know enough? I don't know enough. Truthfully, I think as I've started talking to you, I've been realizing, cause, and I guess maybe because I had, I only watched episode two and three last night. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. And so I'm just now maybe processing all of, like more of my thoughts from watching it last night. And after talking to you, I, I think I like it more than I thought I did. <laughs> cool. In fact, I know I did. But, um, you know, I think that I would recommend it to some people. Definitely. You know, but again, it would. I think it would have to be if someone's maybe more into comic type things because I don't know how much it would appeal to people who aren't into it. Fair enough. Yeah. That's the only thing I don't know about that. But, but that said, I've, I've enjoyed it. I think I would watch some more episodes, but I don't know how many more, (laughs) you know what I mean? I think I'd give it like, Another couple and and see, like, okay, is it worth it for me to continue it? Because I feel like I'm just getting, just now getting a little bit more of a feel of it. Cool. Well, it might not be a surprise since it was my suggestion, but, uh, and I have Mm -hmm. clearly recommended this show to you. But yeah, I think the people who are a not like actively not into comic book people's uh, comic book things should avoid it, of course. And people who land on either side of the fence, like you're not very into it. And I'm very selective on the comic book type stuff that I'm into. And I'm bigger of a fan so far than you are. Yeah, I, I, I think if you have typical podcast talk, if you've made it this far and you haven't watched any of these three episodes, I would be a little surprised. But I think we kept it vague enough in parts that we didn't ruin the watching experience. Um, no, and I, I, what I did say, I, I felt like had to be said in order to discuss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... That was episodes one through three of The Boys season one. Either way, uh, I think I, I said this off the air, but uh, it will be continued either by Vanessa and I on the VD clinic or by me and perhaps sometimes Vanessa or me and other people over on Psychosemantic. Because I've started. I'm a completist. I've seen all the fucking Twilight movies. I can't just do three episodes on the boys and not finish it somewhere. <laughs> um, I, From what I've seen of the boys compared to the Twilight movies, the, this is more worthwhile. Yes, I would yeah. highly recommend it over, over the Twilight. Although we did yeah. speak recently about our appreciation for Kristen Stewart. Yes. And speaking of appreciation... We have a slight announcement about our what's coming up in December, or do we need to take a quick break 
and then do that and then finish. Um, no, we can go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So, like uh, any holiday gift, it's going to be a little shrouded in mystery. No matter how much you shake and how much you try to search around in your parents' closet, uh, you're not going to be able to figure it out. <laughs> and there's a reason why. Darren, would you like to explain? <laughs> well, uh, we had an idea for a show, but as with many things that haven't happened yet, you don't necessarily want to assume that it's going to. <laughs> so it could be one thing that you theoretically will have asked for once you know what it is or another thing. But we, uh, what our basic idea has always been sort of something appropriate for the holiday season in but some fashion or another. Well, it's not necessarily other than it's, I think we just, uh, Seem to go for something non-traditional. Yeah, yeah. That's our only tradition. It will not be. I guess uh, my hint for this episode will be it is not a Miracle on 34th Street or anything like that or whatever that movie's called. Right. It's not that. It's not going to be It's a Wonderful Life or a Christmas Story. We're, we're going to keep it at that. It's under the tree, but you don't know what it is. But it's, it's hinging on if we can secure Yes. The proper guess. Yeah. Anyway, that said, if, uh, yeah, once it gets closer to the episode, you never knew we might drop you some hints. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Okay. Yeah. Darren, what do you have out there on Psychosemanticast or outside, anywhere outside of BD Clinic? Right now, it is uh, just Psychosemanticast. Uh, right very close to when this was recorded, I put out All the President's Men with Bo Ransdell, past and future guest of both shows, and Legion Podcast Network extraordinaire. Um, that was the first episode after the election that was recorded, so you might hear a little bit of a different tone. In my voice. A couple things on the horizon. I know you and I talked about uh, possibly having another thing pretty soon over there. Yes. A lot of stuff up in the air over there. You know, I wasn't really planning too far ahead on, you know, on the other side of the November election. I didn't know what kind of mood I was going to be in. Well, and you didn't know what the hell was going to be going on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to tell that in that way. So, yeah, that's pretty much that, you know, psychosemantic over there here. Uh, VD Clinic pod, Instagram, other social medias. Uh, like I also mentioned, you might be hearing this on both feeds right now. So it's probably good to plug both shows. Uh, do you have any uh anything else 
I was recently on an episode of Badasses Boobs and Body Count um, podcast, covered the Beasts of Yucca Flats, woohoo, with the, uh, you know, always popular Tor Johnson. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the only other thing I've done recently. So, and nothing that I know of upcoming. But until then. Yes. Until we meet again. Yes. Don't know where. Don't know when. Uh, I have been Darren. And I have been, and I believe still am, but <laughs> Vanessa. And we are the VD Clinic. I'll see you soon, everybody. Or talk to you soon, whichever. Depends on who you are. Bye. enjoyed this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.